people used to always tell me like, you know, it's, you know, it'll get better in time. And I used to hate when people used to tell me that because I feel like there was just uh, the most annoying. It's like, it's like one of those, I, I get where people come from when they say, I'm so sorry. You know what I'm saying? But it's just like, after hearing it so long, it's just like, thank you, you know? But now I really understand that term of like in time, it'll get better because for me, after all this time, I've finally grown, have, I have acceptance of it. And one of my friends, actually, the one of the, the biggest things that he's he asked me and actually allowed me to accept it and, and be where I'm at now is, do you forgive her? This is Sad Boy Radio. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Sad Boy Radio. I'm your host, Matt, and today we got a special guest. He's a DJ producer. He's a co-founder of Them Works. He's one half of Jump Off Boys and a member of Los Desvelados. Go ahead and introduce yourself, bro. Francisco Hernandez, uh, a.k.a. Psycho. Uh, DJ, producer, um, brother. He's everything. He yeah. said, let me state that I'm a person, too, yeah. real quick. I'm a <laughs> but you got a lot going on, bro. I appreciate you being here today. For sure. Thank you for having me. First, we got to start off with, you know, the house music, bro. Yes. You guys are huge house heads. You, like... It's it's more than just music to you. It's your guys' fucking passion. Yes, yes, it is. Where did this love for house begin? Honestly, since I was born, I know it, it sounds like tacky as hell to say, but like if you look at like literally like all my birthday videos, they used to record all my birthday videos, and like since like my baptism, like house music was playing, you know. So like I've always had that in me to like have that love for house music, and it took me a while to actually really express myself with DJing and producing for house music, but that was always a part of me growing up. Mm-hmm. And that comes from, like, my family. Like, all my family, would that's all they would play in the house. You know, those Sunday morning, like, cleaning cleaning days, you know, the Mexican houses. But It wasn't Spanish music for you? It was both. It was either it was either Spanish, like, Tejano music. My mom used to always jam out to Tejano music. And then it was either, and then house music. And then sometimes it was freestyle and all that stuff. But, yeah, it's it's always been a part of my life. Damn, that's interesting because like see my mom she always listened to salsa yeah. but other than that like there wasn't any really english music playing inside the house while she was cleaning you know both of my parents they were they were young when they had me so like they like growing up like they were part of like the my mom was actually a break dancer she she would compete like in uh in texas because she was born in chicago but she would always claim that she was from texas she was at the hana like today like you know and she would compete in breakdancing and, like, win competitions and stuff like that. So, and my dad was part of, you know, he was part of a party crew coming up, uh, growing up. And uh, that's kind of, like, it's crazy how, like, that ended up being part of my life. Not the breakdancing part, but just music. That's just in your blood. Yeah. You created such a huge thing in Chicago with Los Desvelados. Like, the fact that you created a whole label with them works, like, that shit's fucking nuts. And then you guys created your whole separate night for house, you know, being tribe. So, man, you've just been, you've really been paying homage to the genre. And, you know, it's more than just that because it's brought you guys even closer. You know, your your second family, Los Desvelados. I consider them as my family, man. Like, honestly, like, those, those are, they're all my brothers. Like, I, we argue like literally like brothers all the time and it's it's crazy like we could literally get into a fight and like a verbal fight obviously but and then the next day like we're back to working you know what i'm saying so like we we have so much love for each other we'd look out for each other and we just 
we're just looking up. We're just trying to take over literally not even just Chicago, the world. I want to do something real quick. I do this with a lot of my guests. Um, for you, it's a little bit different, though, right? We kind of got into you talking about Los Desvelados. These relationships are huge. And for you guys, you have so many different similarities. The music you listen to, being from the South Side, um, unfortunately for a lot of you, you've lost family members, specifically parents. And I feel like that's something that connects you guys very, very, very much. Because for each interview that I've done for you guys, I feel like this is a topic of discussion. So I want to talk about one by one, not every single one, but, you know, ones that I feel are significant for you. Um, the significance of that relationship and how they've helped you through a dark time. So beginning, we'll start with MDoc, right? Yeah. You guys just started your uh, Jump Off Boys. I'm sure, you know, it's been in the works for a while, but you guys went live with it. We've definitely tackled it in the last year or two. Uh, I want to say the last two two years, we've actually put forth effort into it. But as far as, like, me, we actually just, Marcus's birthday was, uh, like, uh, last week, and we literally just had this conversation, like, because uh, one of our older friends was with us. And we're like, how, like, she asked, like, how long have you guys known each other? And, like, the time has passed so much, like, we didn't realize that we've literally, we've known of each other, but when we got really close, it's been about 13, 14 years. And we started DJing together, um, like, yeah, about 13, 14 years ago. And we technically started Jump Off Boys. I'll kind of, I'll kind of break that down a little bit because Jump Off Boys was something before me. He actually used to have uh, he jump off boys was him and another DJ. His name is uh, Sigma, which his name is Nieto, which he does like the My House music festivals and uh, Mas Flow and all that. But he used to be a DJ, and it was it used to be him and Marcus. Those, those, those that was the tag team back in the day. Um, and then there was one year at House of Soul when I got booked, and I was like looking at the lineup. I was like, why isn't M Doc on here? And I hit him up. I'm like, hey, you're coming on here with me. So then we DJed together, and then the rest was history, bro. Like, we literally had the—like, someone asked us a question, like, yo, like, how do you guys—like, how do you guys DJ together? And it's just so seamless, and it's like, we've literally said it. Like, I could try to DJ with somebody, like, tag team with someone, and to kind of break down what a tag team DJing is, is, like, we both play songs back-to-back. Like, he'll play one song, I'll play the other, or, like, you know, and just kind of go from there and— He's one of the only people that, like, it's just, it's clockwork. Like, it, we, we don't even have to be, like, have a setup of, like, hey, I'm going to play this. I'm gonna, no, we just get busy. The chemistry is just it's, there. It's you don't there, even got to worry yeah. about that shit. How has he helped you through, you know, these hardships that you've been facing recently and just for the length that you've known him? He's one of the people that I, like, if I go through something or, like, I need advice about something, I'll hit him up. He's, like, one of the most level-minded, humble people that I've ever met. Uh, and he he's literally one of the people that like he doesn't take anything to to the head like he's so level-minded and you can call him for anything uh i've i've and every any time that i've been through a hardship he's been right there you know so like he's literally one of my closest people in my life and my brother for real is there a specific moment that solidified that for you him being there for like when my mom passed like he he showed up to the funeral and like don't get me wrong like you know there was people that showed up, but, like, that meant a lot for him to be there, you know? Like, this is someone that, 
that like we were DJing together, you know? So like it wasn't like we didn't create that relationship yet as far as like us being like family yet until that really happened. And not even just that, it's just also the follow through afterwards, you know? I've seen I, I've seen people who've, you know, they show up and they're just there temporary you know so like he followed through and was still there for me even after that a lot of the times with those situations it's like it happened and everybody comes out of the woodworks this is what i (laughs) and i don't mean to like smile about it but right when my grandma got sick everybody came out of nowhere and my grandma used to always say that you know when i pass i don't want anybody to just show up i don't want she didn't even have a funeral because she didn't want people to cry and mourn her who were never around anyways she lived with me and she knew as soon as she got sick and everybody found out everybody was gonna start showing up one by one by one bro i swear to you every weekend there was somebody at my fucking house and it was almost annoying it's overwhelming (laughs) it's very overwhelming i guess for me right because i already had that relationship with her and i already knew where we stood that it was like, man, you guys haven't even been around and now you want to be around just because you heard this. And that's not fair to say to everybody else, but it's a valid feeling for you to feel because you know at the end of the day, like, you were the one here the whole time. I was in the same boat, like, you know, people were showing up left and right. And it's and this is even bigger than just, like, you know, my like my friends, even family were showing up. And it's just like, you didn't even, like, at my mom's and she was, you didn't even fuck with her like that. And then they'll be there for like a, a hot second, and then all of a sudden, now they're ghosts, you know. And it's I know exactly the feeling. It's it's when I say it's overwhelming, it was just like more of like I don't I want just want to be by myself. Like I don't want all these people here right now. Like you need to back off a little bit. So let's move forward, right? Next person I got on the list, these days. Go ahead and talk about the significance of your guys' relationship. <laughs> when I said that, like you know, we're brothers and we argue. That's the person I argue with the most, but it's all love. You know what I'm saying? So like, I see, I see the person he is, and he he means, he means so well, and like he's had my back. I I've known him for for a while now, and like sees himself as he's probably the most hardworking per like people that I've that I've known in this industry. Uh, when he wants something, he's gonna go out there and get it, and he's not gonna stop until he gets it. And that's why I have so much respect for him. You know, like. And at the end of the day, he's so he's so driven that he can sometimes come off as, you know, not the most pleasant person. But I know exactly why he because he wants it so bad. So that's why I respect him so much. And like he's done nothing but like push, especially me and Marcus. Not only does Velados, but like me and Marcus, especially like he's he's if you want to say like how Jump Off Boys has really been pushing so hard. It was because he has been that person to be like, yo, you guys are raw and I'm and you guys need to do this and I'm going to help you get there. So which is why he's managing us. So I have nothing but the most respect for him. I've known him when he was, you know, younger, a lot younger. He was an upcoming DJ. Uh, didn't really get close to him till probably more so a little bit before the Desvelado days. Shout out C's days for these past two episodes because he's booked them. What about a time where he's helped you through a moment of darkness? He's not the most in tune with his feelings, but when he is, he's been a very big crutch for me as far as, like, being there for me. So, like, I've recently been going like well not re well i should say i've overcome an addiction recently you know and he's been nothing but the 
the person that's been there for me was like, bro, you don't need this. Like, you're so much better than this. You know, you don't have to do this to have, like, you know, to be an artist or anything like that. So, like, he's been nothing but helpful for me for that. That was a very dark, dark time for me. You know, it all stemmed from, like, honestly, my addiction started when I was, you know, really going through it with my mom's passing. And that was about five years ago. So, to be honest, I was just trying to fill a void, just trying to, you know, uh, my addiction, unfortunately, like it, it took a toll on me where I just thought it made me happy when realistically I was happy at that moment. But then when I get home, I'm in a really dark place, you know, and C's has been doing nothing but making sure that it's it, he's reassuring me that you don't need to do this, you know. So, I, I, you know, I'm happy to say that I'm clean from all that addiction stuff. And he's been a really good person to help me with it. What was it about the addiction that made you feel like? You were happy at that moment. You know, I think that, and it's only if you're comfortable talking about it, right? Because addiction is such a common thing that some people don't even know they're in that hole until it gets too bad. That's really what it came down to is like, I didn't know it was that bad until I got into really deep into that hole where I woke up and just feeling like I wanted to end it all, you know? And then it was the realization knowing that I got so much to live for and I should be doing better for my family. You know, I, I my siblings, especially, that's why in the beginning I said I'm a brother because now I'm a brother that's otherwise, but I'm, I'm a brother to like my other three siblings and I have to be that good example, you know, and it got really dark, man. It got really dark and I knew I was better than that. And I knew I promised my mom way better than that that I was going to be okay and I was going to make sure my family was okay. It makes me think of the song Blessings, right? Where Big Sean says, my grandma just died. I'm the man of the house. That's why I work so hard because I can't let him down. That quote alone right there is exactly what I did. Um, you know, to go down that that stage of my life, like when my mom was on hospice when she passed, I actually, like, I look at silver linings when my mom's passing, you know, because that, that's the acceptance right there, you know? So I see, I, I was able to actually have that those last moments with her when she was on hospice right she had a hospice for for a month before she passed and then the the night before she passed we you know me and my sister went in the room with her because she wanted us to talk to us and like let it like ask us like are you guys going to be okay can you take on this responsibility of raising these two kids that are not ours you know and they're you know, me and my sister at the age that we're like, you know, this is the point of time that we live our lives. We actually start pursuing having a family and stuff like that. So it was a big thing. So she sat us down. She's like, she was ready. She was laying in bed. And then, you know, we held her hand and she was just like, you know, I just want you guys to be happy, you know. And, and that was a big thing for me. I was like, look, I looked her in the eyes. I was, I got this. I got them. I got us, you know. So that that's always been a big thing for me is like, I got to. I got to show up for them. Man, this shit is powerful. And it takes me, I don't want to make it about me, it's no, a, no. but it takes me back to, you know, with my grandma. I know that battle with cancer and how hard it is for a family to go through that shit. It got to the point for my grandma that she didn't even want people around anymore. So the only people taking care of her were her kids, my, you know, my mom and her siblings. My mom was battling that for a while, like when I was in high school. And she passed in 2017, so I was in high school about when she when she first her first round because uh, she went through it three times. Uh, first time she got it in 2006, I want to say, and 
it was an ongoing battle from there, man. So, like, it was always ups and downs. And just seeing her, like, she had her good days, she had her bad days. When they were bad, they were fucking bad, you know? So, like, she would, I remember I would always yell at her because she would be like, uh, like, she would scream at me and be like, I'm dying, you know, like, this, this, and that. And now that I reflect on that and I'm like, I don't, I couldn't even imagine like how that feels to feel that way like you know you have something eating you alive and like there's nothing that can help you you know and and that now I, that's probably one of my biggest regrets is not understanding that point of her because i'll be like shut up no you're good you're good you know and that, that actually went down to when she passed was even when she was on her last days like i was still in denial like oh you know her kidneys were failing and she, like it was a whole bunch of stuff i'm like no she's gonna be fine she's fine she's fine and then when she passed i it still didn't hit me you know, I went back to work right after and it was the worst thing I could have done because I, I went back to my routine, came back to work when I came back from Texas all the way over here. And that was the worst thing I could have did because then I didn't get a chance to mourn. When that happens, it, it like it's impossible to process right away. Yeah. I used to use this example a lot. I when I see my like pictures of my grandma, I would feel like it's okay, one day I'm going to see her again. I just haven't seen her in a very long time, but I'm going to see her soon. And as time has gone on, you know, it's sad to say that those memories don't hit me as much or I don't think about my grandma every single day. But I still know that when that all went down, the impact it had, that shit hit me all at once. And then next thing you know, okay, let's get back to work. Let's keep doing it. Because... These people that, you know, they loved us, they they wouldn't want us to sit there and just be sad about this shit. Like, especially Mexicans, bro, you know, damn well, they're like, hey, <laughs> get back to it. No, yeah. I mean, that, that was crazy. Like, once, literally after, like, so when I went out to Texas, I was working at a job. I don't want to say the company, but I was working at a job, and then I told them what happened. I had, like, hey, my mom is really sick, and she's on hospice. And they were giving me so much shit. They weren't trying to let me leave. I'm like, I'm not asking y'all. Like, I'm going, you know? I left the next day, and they fired me. And to this day, like, people would tell me, like, you could have sued them because, like, that's something that, you know, they weren't supposed to do. So me going over there, not only was I dealing with that, but now having the mentality of, like, now I'm jobless. I get back home, I'm not going to have a job. But luckily, like, you know, when I was doing, like, you know, my family... Me and my sister, like, you know, it's just me and my sister, you know, that was bringing in the money for my mom at the time. Like, I'm like, how, do, how the hell are we going to get all this money for the funeral? We have to fly her back from Texas to Chicago. So that's what we did the GoFundMe. You know, and then when we did the GoFundMe for that, um, my one of my old bosses saw that and he's like, hey, man, I got a job lined up for you. And I took that and I ran with it. But I should have took time to actually mourn and, like, get myself right because... There's people that I still, I'm I'm cool with now that I used to work with. And they even told me like, yo, I don't know if you know this, but we used to hear you crying in the bathroom, you know? So like I would literally be at work, do like a double shift and then go in the bathroom like three times a day. I'm thinking like, oh, they might think I'm using the bathroom. I'm over there crying. You know, I just, it never, I never got a chance to process everything. Sad boys for real. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for real. That's why I t I've always taken that, like, it's okay to not be okay. You know what I'm saying? And, like, there was a big part of me that was always, like, I was always brought up. My dad always brought this, like, machismo, like, boys don't cry. You know what I'm saying? Men don't cry. That's just not, like, 
And it wasn't even like he said that. It was just always like, you know, it was the unsaid thing that I could tell that's how it was. That's how it was brought up. So it didn't take till like around that time to like me to understand like it's all right to to cry, you know, to write to, you know, I had to be there for my, my siblings, you know what I'm saying? So it's like I started to be more emotional and be okay to be emotional and not giving a shit about what people think if I'm emotional or not. I feel like that's the world we need to move into where you talk about these things and shit. That's that's yeah. the whole fucking podcast. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> One last thing about these days. Yeah. You mentioned how he would tell you, you don't need this to be an artist. Yeah. Do you feel like you were leaning on your addiction because it was part of the identity of being an artist? Yes and no, because in this, in like the the industry, it's a very, <laughs> it's a very big thing to to do that in the industry. You know, it's what I thought brought me happiness. And when I'm happy, I make really good music. I didn't need that to be an artist because of the fact that, like, I could find happiness in other things. And what other things are is really just self-love. Loving myself and, like, really understanding that I mean more than... I mean more to the world and myself than this addiction that I had. So let's move to Cooley. That's the next person. Explain the significance of your guys' relationship, and I, because he's such a huge part of Los Desvelados, bringing everybody together. I mean, at the end of the day, he's the originator. He's the glue, you know. So it's really weird how me and Cooley met outside of a bar, and I was introduced to, uh, to him from another DJ, and we hit it off right away. Like I've, I've heard of him before and he's, he's heard of me before. Like he's, I mean, he, to this day, he even tells me like, bro, I used to, I used to uh, like steal all your music on SoundCloud and all this other stuff. And that's all I would play. Like I, I was the, I was the, the aux guy in, in college. So I used to play all of your mixes and stuff like that. And it was, it was funny to me because I'm like, and then now like we got to this point where we're brothers now. You know, like he brought us all together. He knew exactly what he was doing as far as like creating a group of so many talented people. And each each person brings something different to the table. None of us are alike at all. And that's not even just personality wise, but talent wise. It's it's amazing what he's what his vision was and how it came about. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah. You, you don't think you guys are alike at all? We wear the same chain and we all wear all black. That's the only thing I think that we're the same. But as far as like how we get busy behind the, the DJ decks and how most of us produce, we're all different. Damn, so who's going to teach Santos how to produce? I've been trying. Yeah. I've actually, I've, I was just with him a couple of days ago and I've been, I've been trying to press him to actually start producing. And he's taking, you know, he's, he's taking his steps as far as like, you know, he wants to get this DJ shit to attend before he starts taking on another endeavor. I mean, I don't blame him because when I, I didn't produce first, I started DJing first. And then after, I think like, maybe like five years, I started producing, you know? Um, Cause that alone is a challenge itself. You have to find yourself as an artist on the producing side too. It's not, it's not the same as DJing. For me anyways, I don't, I'm not gonna speak for every DJ producer, but I had to find my groove um, in different times and just realizing you know the route you want to go there's so many different genres that you can go especially someone like santos right he has so much influence from the guys that are a part of the group but he also has his cultural influence that he loves to incorporate in anything that he does correct 
What's a moment of darkness that Cooley has helped you out of? I had mentioned uh, to you the other day, like the whole Dead Parents Club thing, you know? So we, we actually like... I don't want to, I hate using the term like we clicked because of that, but it's just like we had an equal understanding of, I I kind of know what you're going through. I'm not saying I'm going through the same thing, but we kind of helped each other out. Like as far as like, you know, uh, there's been times where like I got, I got, you know, I gotten wasted and I'm like, I want to go to the cemetery. And he, he and another friend went with me to the cemetery, you know? So it's just, it's. It, he's been there in my really dark times, you know, and even like I like I said, like with my like when I had an addiction, like he he also helped me out with that. He's leading me to like a better path. You were going to the cemetery at that time, those hours? No, that's the thing. It was we were doing all nighters to like seven o'clock in the morning, and I'm like, I want to go to the cemetery. So it was already the morning type of thing. I was gonna say I'd be too scared to. No, pop I ain't doing no that. night. No, 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 I'm good on that. So the last one, you know, it's it's somebody that you all hold close to your heart and it coincides with this loss anem anem was obviously somebody who was significant to you go ahead and explain that relationship so anem christian like he was he was a little brother to me you know so like he he used to always tell me like dude you're my favorite dj you know like you're you're the one of the ones that i looked up to the whole time and like he would be one of the guys that like <laughs> we'd send stupid memes to each other. We'll send stupid pictures to each other. And to the point where like, yo, I want to go out. We're going to go to, I mean, it's closed now, but we're going to go to Exeter or what? <laughs> uh, and pick him up and we'll be just having a ball, you know? And he'd be the, one of the first people that I would be like, yo, I just made this new track. Check it out. You know, like I would always take his, you know, he, it was, it's hard to explain like how, like, who he like how he was with me as far as music wise like he was not like for him to say that i influenced him like he influenced me too because like how kind of a person he was you know he was one of the kindest people i ever met he was a he was a teddy bear what's the moment of darkness that anem helped you through my mom like he would also be one of the people that went to the cemetery with me and literally like if i wanted just to talk about it he wouldn't even just he wouldn't even just say anything back he'll just listen and literally just like just grab my shoulder and just hold on to me, you know what I'm saying? So he was very a crucial person in my life that that just was there for me, just to let me talk, you know, just to vent about like, because I, I I was always scared to talk to my you know my siblings about it because at the end of the day I was soaking their stuff in so they didn't have to go through so much, you know. So now it's like, do I want to give it that energy back to them? No. So he was one of the people that I was able to express all that out and get it all out. That's the type of people you need around you in those moments. I think that for me, this show was that. Mm -hmm. My dad lost his mom at that time too. And then my mom loses her mom. So it's who who do I talk to? I don't I can't talk to my parents. And then my siblings and I, we we talk, but there's not really that that emotional connection yeah. you know what i'm saying yeah, I got you. so i feel like for a long time i didn't really talk to people because there was nothing to talk about i i wasn't gonna wear my emotions on my sleeve because nobody was gonna really understand how i felt and if i'm just venting to my family who's going through the same shit they're gonna be like okay well we're going through it too so you're not the only one so in moments like that, you know, 
it takes time to process when you lose somebody that's so close to you just like we were saying it doesn't hit you right away over time you know it's you slowly start to realize like damn this person isn't here until one day it's bam it smacked you right and you're like fuck they're really not here a song that i came you know i came upon today ghost by justin bieber where oh he, yeah he says i miss your touch when i'm hollow i know you crossed the bridge i can't follow since the love that you left is all that I get, I want you to know that if I can't be close to you, I'll settle for the ghost of you. I miss you more than life. I saw him actually perform that live. I went to this concert <laughs> last, uh, was in the summer. I think it was July. Dope performer. And that lyric alone, yeah, it, it hit. I think this song is really a representation of once you've processed it, once you've accepted, like, this is the situation that's happened and... I, I know I can't be with you. I, I know that these things happen and it's going to continue to happen. Yeah. Something that I felt like we were able to relate on is all of this shit happened so quick, constant. It felt like, yeah. damn, this shit is never going to end. For me, it happened all in one year. For you, it happened in a span of five with your uncle, your friend, your mom. Yeah. That shit's hard to process when you're when you're in your 20s. It's like, damn, like, l let me catch a break. The biggest thing that I've taken from that, honestly, is the, like, people used to always tell me, like, you know, it's, you know, it'll get better in time. And I used to hate when people used to tell me that because I feel like it was just uh, the most annoying. It's like, it's like one of those, I, I get where people come from when they say, I'm so sorry. You know what I'm saying? But it's just like, after hearing it so long, it's just like, thank you, you know? But now I really understand that term of, like, in time, it'll get better because, for me, after all this time, I've finally grown, have, I have acceptance of it. And one of my friends, actually, the, one of the, the biggest things that he's, he asked me and actually allowed me to accept it and, and be where I'm at now is, do you forgive her, which is my mom, you know? Do you forgive yourself? And those are the two questions that I had to really be, really think about and really understand. And then finally, I have... I have, um, how do I say it? Like I've, I have forgiven myself and her. And that's where I took, I took from like, you know, in time it'll get better because it took time for me to actually accept all that. What do you feel like you needed to forgive her for? She was with my little sister's dad and it was just me, her, my little sister wasn't even born yet. So it was just me, her, and we were living in an apartment. Right. And then her, he was very abusive and this is me, 13, 14, having to, like, protect my mom. There's been, there was times where I had to grab a knife and, like, protect her. Like, you're not coming in and him trying to break down the door. And I'm, this is me, 13, 14, trying to protect her, you know? This is a grown man. I mean, <laughs> so it was tough. And then after time passed, I started to resent him because now he was coming around a lot more often. And finally, she just told me, like, it's either you fix your face or you get out. So she kicked me out. So where I started living with my dad and then it was always resentment from there. You know, I was a mama's boy always, you know, so she would always. So th with that happening, like that's when I started resenting her and not coming around. And she would always try to fight for my, my love back. You know, I have a box full of, of cards of all my birthdays 
And when I'm in a like when I'm in a sad place, I read all of them, and it's just all of them. If you look look at all the words, it's just like I'm sorry, Miko. I hope that we can be, you know, back to we were, you know, you know, since like, when you were little, this is that. And then it took her to her for her to get sick, for me to like, in a sense, be a bigger person, which is dumb to say because I should have just let that shit go. You know, it's my mom. Only get one. You know, so. That's what that's where the forgiveness part had to come, like her uh, forgiving her for choosing a man over me, and that took a while for me to like really, really get over that, and f- like that's where that's why I said like my friend asking me that question, do you forgive her? That was the one thing that I didn't forgive her for, and then I finally have I've come to terms with myself that, you know, yeah she she didn't make the right decisions, but we're all human. I immediately thought of Jimmy Butler for that shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know the story with Jimmy Butler. Yeah, he was uh, he was homeless for a while. <laughs> That his mom told him the same shit. Yeah. I don't like your face. Get out. That's that's tough to go through, and I I couldn't imagine that shit. It's allowed me to grow as a person. Like everything that I've been through, and like it's 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 one of those cliche things to say, but like you know somebody got it worse, you know. But this is my life, and my life wasn't easy. Uh, it could have been worse, but it wasn't easy. And I've grabbed everything that in my experiences I've been through in my life, and I've literally try to make the best of it. So what about your relationship with your dad? You mentioned moving in with him. He's always been present in my life, you know? Uh, like, growing up, my parents didn't divorce till I was 13. So after the divorce, like, you know, again, I was a mama's boy all, all the time. So, like, I never really had, like, that father-son bond with him. So when I moved in with him, it was me, him, and my grandparents. And I've always been drawn to my grandpa. Like, he's one of the biggest mentors in my life. You know, Mexican immigrant coming over to the States. None of us would have been here, you know, without him. And just his hard work, his mentality of being a hard worker all the time. Like, that that was one of my biggest mentors. So, really, I learned a lot from him. But, like, my dad, he's a great person. Um, again, had me when he was young. So, he didn't make the best decisions. But, again, we're all human. Uh, now, man, we go to the bars. <laughs> you know, we go chop it up, have a beer, have some wings and, like, you know, and he and he's told me like sorry, you know, like I wish I wish I should have I could have sent you to Columbia like you wanted to pursue this music stuff because he sees my passion in it. And you know, and back in the day, like that was one thing I did resent from him was because this is always something I wanted. Like I always wanted to do this music stuff since I was I knew when I was thirteen I wanted to do this thirteen fourteen, and you know that Mexican mentality of like you need to go to school and go get a job. Music's not going to get you nowhere, you know. So. That that always that always bugged me with him, but he he actually like not even a month ago he sat me down. He's like, I'm sorry. If I had the money, I'll send you to Columbia right now. And I told I like nah, it's okay. I'm I'm I, I'm gonna make it. And a key word you say there, you mentioned it for both your parents. Resentment. How do you feel like that resentment has impacted you in your adult days? It impacted me negatively growing up. But now that I'm older and I understand and I reflect on my life looking back, I feel like that me resenting them was a waste of time because life is too short. Like, you know, after seeing like my mom passing and then, you know, having to like reflect on that, like I I don't want to have to go through that with my dad. So which was why like me trying to patch things up, him trying to patch things up. He was never a real affectionate person. Now, since my mom passed, he put the jets on and now he you know he he's trying you know um which was a big shock for us we're like yo how do we deal with this but at the end of the day like i i just i took it and i rolled with it and like 
I wish I could take it back, to be honest. It wasn't worth it. It just created a stronger barrier, a bigger barrier yeah, between exactly. all of you. In what ways has your life changed since your mom's passed, aside from the obvious? For me, honestly, it allowed me to grow up. Uh, I was... I wasn't expecting to, you know, I, I never had plans to have kids in a really long time. I wanted to be, I wanted to wait, you know. And then one day, you know, you wake up and you have a, what, 10-year-old and a 17-year-old, you know. My brother was 17, my little sister was 10, you know. And then it's just like now me and my older sister are like, where do we start? Like, what do we do? Like, how do we how do we create a, a boundary of siblings and her being a mother figure, me being a father figure without it being awkward? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Cause like, even now, like me and my older sister will, we'll have times where like, yo, we've, we talk to each other. Like we're married. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What time are you coming home? What time you, uh, what, what time uh, are you taking her to practice? Are you taking, uh, you know, who's doing this, you know? And it's not a healthy relationship for two, bro- like a brother and a sister, you know? Uh, but we've had that conversation with the younger ones, like, and we told them, like, I don't want you guys to ever think that it's your fault or we wouldn't do this shit all over again. It's tough, but we would never, we would never give that back. And that's really what it's taught me is to be a, uh, to be a man, you know, to step up when people need you the most. The fact that you just did that, right? Stepped up into that position. You promised your mom to do it and following through on your word, I'm sure that's one of the most important things to you. That was a big thing for me. So I remember holding her hand and promising that. And there's a there's actually a crazy story with that too. And so like the day of my mom's funeral, I'm sorry, her wake. I'm a big I'm a big uh, DraftKings guy, right? I decided to play DraftKings that morning just to get my mind off everything. Uh, I remember going to the wake. I got you know I got a little I got a little drunk. And then I, I remember going outside because it was just so overwhelming with all these people coming in and out. And I look up into the sky. I'm like, yo, just give me a sign that you're here, right? Let, whatever. The night passes. We're all, we go into Portillo's. We're all going home. Um, and then I look on my phone, and it says, you won. And I'm like, won what? I won $100,000. You're so, fucking. I'm not. I won hundred grand on my mom's wake. I got the chills. Just think about it again. You know what I'm saying? So at the time, me and my sisters and my brother were staying in a little apartment, you know, and that allowed us to go get a crib, which is why we live in Orland. You know what I'm saying? So it was it was a very big blessing. And to happen on my mom's wake, it was, uh, it was a reassurance that she was there. You know what I'm saying? And she wanted to look out for us. That's some crazy It's crazy, bro. Shit, bro. I know. Every time I tell, I don't tell a lot of people this, but... It was a crazy moment. Like, it it, it was, yeah. I, like, my sister didn't believe me. She's like, get the fuck out of here. I'm like, no, I won. And she didn't believe me until she saw that money getting wired to my account. And I showed her. She's like, what the hell? Like, you know, like, it, it doesn't happen to people like us. You know what I'm saying? And it was, it was a very, very crazy moment in my life. So how do you feel like you've carried the lessons that your mom has left you with? One, pick your baby daddies correctly. <laughs> I know Two. someone with three, so. <laughs> yeah. My mom was a very big, she, she, when she loved, she loved hard. You know what I'm saying? And like I said, I was a mama's boy growing up. And even though that happened where, like, we had our resentment, when I was with her and we were together, like, it was, 
it taught me how to love, you know what I'm saying? And don't get me wrong, when she passed, I lost that again. But then I started to learn through my siblings, started to learn how to love again, you know? So if anything, what I took from it is she taught me how to love. So what do you believe love is? Do anything for for those people or that person. Like, literally, like, move mountains type of thing. Like, my siblings, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would do anything in the world for them. You know what I'm saying? So, and it wasn't even just because of the, well, not, not even because of the promise I made to my mom, uh, but that allowed us to get closer. And me knowing, like, those, those, them three are, like, literally, like, we would do anything for each other. Do you feel like they're the reason you kicked your addiction? Yes. They're one of my biggest parts of why I had to reflect on that um, because my sister was admitted to, Last year, she was. We had to admit her to a uh, mental institution, um, unfortunately, because she was having. There was a lot of stuff like with her having issues with like her remembering my mom and stuff like that. She never really had a time to grieve, and it was all starting to hit her really hard. Uh, she was having, you know, her bad thoughts of like wanting to take her life. So I, I had to pick her up from school one day, go get her a like um, an assessment, and they told me they had to keep her. And it was one of the hardest things I ever had to do in my life. Like, she was literally crying, don't leave me here. And at that point, I had no choice, you know? Learning from that is, like, not that they, they like, saw me with my addiction, but I wanted to do better for them. And that's always, I always promised them that. Like, you know, I, I try going back to school for them, you know? Like, and I just want to set a good example. At any point, did your addiction impact them? Yes. And the reason why it impacted them was because I'll be at home sometimes and just sleep be depressed in my room on the couch for like literally 24 hours and just be sick, you know? Um, and they're unaware of this, you know what I'm saying? So at the time they're, they're seeing me at like a really low point and that's, that's not something that I would want them to see, you know what I'm saying? Like if anything, like I'm getting, I'm making it worse for them, you know? Like we're all, we're all trying to get, you know, trying to get better with my whole mom situation. And for me to, like, put them in that, it, was, it wasn't a good feeling. So I felt like me having to do better for myself was also an impact on their life as well. I'm glad that you've put yourself in a position to grow, to realize how your choices were affecting those around you. That's something that a lot of people won't realize, right? There's parents out there that will let their addictions take over their lives and not even see their kids. For you, it wasn't something you needed to do. But it was a choice you made to be better for your family and be better for yourself, ultimately. I've been telling a lot of people, because a lot of people have been noticing, like, I haven't seen in a while. They're like, I've never seen this side of you. Like, you know, like, I'm actually having fun without having to fake the funk, you know? So I'm actually having fun. Like, I've never seen this side of you. And I, I tell them straight up, I've never been happier. And it's because now I'm living my life without something that I thought I needed. How have you taken the opportunity to turn your darkness into production honestly i produce on emotion so like it's weird but like when i'm pissed off i like make better music for some reason because i just let it all out on the track you know uh but flipping the darkness into music it's an escape for me you know so it's just like instead of me being depressed in a dark basement or in a room or whatever i'm allowing my emotions to be put on a track you leave it all all on the music and That's the thing about music, right? It lets you release all these emotions that you would have never been able to express. 
that sadness that that sadness that all these artists feel and say that damn I'm damn near about to you know end it all they're able to put that on to the music and now all these people who have those same feelings all these people that have those same thoughts they're able to relate and know that I'm not alone in this shit I'm today's not going to be my last day although I may want it to be there's still a tomorrow although tomorrow's not guaranteed I can do my best to make it there. Yeah. But that wasn't, I wasn't talking about music production. I was talking about, you know, when you have these dark moments, a lot of the times people go through a breakup, right? I'm using heartbreak as an example. A lot of people go through a breakup and they ultimately become more productive, right? Instantly, it's like, I got a promotion. I'm working harder. I'm working out more. How have you been able to take your darkness and turn it into something positive? I think honestly, I was I was channeling all the darkness into like how you said promotions. Like I was moving up in work like really quickly. Like I was driving like yo, I want to I'm gonna set myself to do this. I have to do this. I'm gonna do that. Um, the only bad part about that is like that wasn't my true passion. You know, it took until like I mean we'll go back to like C's like C's days where he finally said, like, yo, we can be somebody, you know? And then that that right there allowed me to channel my darkness into, like, putting it, like, that's what I was going to make it, you know? And then we took we took all of our energy and we started doing it. And then, like, you know, it's been it's been going really well. And with the music, right, you've, you've made it your passion. You've made it, this is what I'm going to do. Is it your full-time job now? No, I still, I still have my full-time job, uh, which is... You know, finding that balance with a full-time job. I only work Monday through Fridays. Three days out of the week, I work in an office. Two of them, I work from home. So it's actually my new position. It's actually helped me with my music stuff lately. But previous years when I'm working retail, you know, like it was it was a struggle, man. Ultimately, what do you hope to accomplish? You know, with all this talk of death and losing people... If you were to leave Earth today, what would you want your legacy to be? Honestly, I just want to put like a stamp of who Psycho is in the house music community. You know, that's my biggest thing. I I like I've if it wasn't house music, it was Juke. You know, I actually started DJing because of DJ Rashad. I I bought one of his mixtapes in in the middle of Fort City, and I believe it was called like uh, Wow Hundreds mixtape. And it was, I listened to it and I'm like, yo, I want to do this shit, you know? So it stemmed from there. And then I went into house music and that's, you couldn't tell me not to play any of those two. It took me to about six, seven years to actually do open format, play reggaeton, play all that stuff. But I was only playing juke and house music. That's all I would play, you know? And that's what my legacy wants to be is like, I want to be one of the people that is a household name. Yo, that's psycho, you know? And I'm from the South Side of Chicago. I'm from where it started. And why can't I not be that person? So then who is psycho below the music? I've just found myself. Like honestly, as a person. Like I like I had told you, like when you when you invited me to be a part of this interview, you had you didn't pick a way I mean, you picked the most like the best time for me to come on here because I've literally I'm at the happiest I've been in my whole life in a really long time. So for me, like I said in the beginning, I'm a brother. Like, 
of like foremost like that's that's who i am i'm gonna be there for all of all of my people and there you go i appreciate you coming on bro thank you man i appreciate being on here i appreciate the stories and you shared a lot of you today bro i appreciate it and i'm definitely gonna see you soon bro i'm gonna have to see you at that event march 31st avondale music hall sad boy radio anniversary concert that's gonna be all guys make sure you go ahead like comment and subscribe sad boys for real peace out This is Sad Boy Radio.